All right, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and my wife Sherry is joining us. And uh, we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on Everless Change by Andrew Womack. And we'll be in chapter 16 again tonight, which is talk about choked. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. <coughs> Excuse me. Just so you know, all of our teachings, all of our Bible studies are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. And in case you don't know how to do so, you can go simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org and go to the Give page. You can give uh, online anywhere in the world. If you choose to... <coughs> Excuse me, if you're driving to send us a check, you can make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom, or foot of every page, there is our mailing address, and you can send our, our your checks to us that way. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into the Bible study tonight. We're talking about effortless change, and specifically, we're talking about the parable of the seller. <coughs> Excuse me, where Jesus said, if, if you don't understand this parable, you can't understand any of the parables. And in this parable of the seller, there's the seed of God's word, sown in four different kinds of soil. And one of those soil is, uh, is landing on the pavement. The second soil is landing on what we call, uh, call stony soil. And third is uh, 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 where it's being choked out. And then the, the fourth one is the good soil, which is a sturdy 600 fold. So we're on that third level of soil. Uh, that's Andrew is calling this chapter choked. And we're going to be pick, picking up with mid-chapter. We've already started this chapter. And we will be t under the section heading, Fellowshipping with God. And so anyway, we'll be talking more about that in just a second. Anything you want to share before we get Yeah, just for anyone who might be new listening in, um, you know, all of the previous Bible studies leading up to this one are on our website, which I'm sure... Dave's uh, explained many times, uh, but again, if you're new, you know, it's kind of hard mid-thought to fully understand everything. Uh, but I, I personally myself like Andrew's teaching because he's very simple and clear uh, how he explains things. Uh, like Dave said, this is mostly regarding the parable of the sower. And I like the little blurb on the back of the, the book. The word of God is like a seed and your heart is the soil. When it's planted and nurtured in the soil of your heart, it begins to grow. The result is transformation and the fruit becomes evident to all. If you want real change in your life, this book is for you. And in previous chapters, Andrew's talked about the word of God being that seed planted in your heart planted in, in, in the soil, which is your heart, and how the, the Word of God is what changes your life effortlessly. It's not you striving and toiling uh, to ch change things in your life. It's letting the Word of God transform your life. It's meditating, reading on the Word of God, and letting that truth soak in. And um, it's, it's like the verse that says awake to righteousness and sin not. When we awake to the word of God, the truth of who he is, 
and what he has for us um, and that abundant life that he has for us, it truly changes our lives. For anyone uh, who has not received the, the, the Lord and is born again, we encourage you to do so. Please reach out to us uh, via our website. There's contact information, like Dave said, on our website. And you can reach out if you have further questions about being born again. It's real simple. It's believe in the gospel that Jesus Christ died for us, that he was buried, he died on the cross. Uh, sorry, <laughs> he was born from a virgin, he died on the cross, he was buried, he rose again, and he is the son of God. So simple uh, to believe that. But if you have any further questions on that, uh, please contact us via our website and um, your life will never be the same. Right. Well, with that, with that said, let's go ahead and just jump right into our Bible study tonight. And we're talking about uh, the parable of the sower, specifically the seed that fell in the, the um, uh, how do I say, it? thorny soil. That's the word I kept looking for. And I was talking about being choked, where we're choking the seed of God's word. And specifically, we're talking about intersection fellowshipping with God. So. If you are going to see effective change, the Word of God producing fruit in your life, you must start spending some quantity time fellowshipping with God through the Word. You have to take these truths, plant them, and keep them in your heart. Some people don't like that, but it's just the way the kingdom works. This isn't necessarily the way that we would have decided to have it done, but this is how the Lord told us His kingdom operates. Since he's the Lord, it's going to work the way that he says, not the way that you or I choose. This is something that I have to deal with all the time. I constantly have to make time and force myself not to get too busy. Although I am not tempted to go out and do any of those things that the church called sin, God has to deal with me often about getting so preoccupied with the ministry. It's the things concerning the ministry that crowd out my time to fellowship with God and study His Word. The Lord has to had the Lord has had to deal with me over that. If I can become too preoccupied and busy with ministry, things that are good and are about helping other people, so that the Word of God is being choked and hindered in my life, what can happen in other people's lives who are being too occupied with pursuing their careers and running their kids all over town all week long. Don't get me wrong, I'm not here to tell you what you can or cannot do. However, you may be one of these people who love God, place an importance on His Word, and want to see the fruit, but are so occupied with all kinds of good things that the seed of God's Word is being choked out in your life. Many Christians are simply involved in too much. They're constantly taxing their kids here, there, and yonder. And they're involved in everything that church has to offer. If you're not careful, it will choke the word of God and keep you from being productive. These things aren't bad, just natural. Okay, thank you. Um, so again, we're talking about effortless change. We're talking about specifically the parable of the sower. You know, again, that, even just that title, effortless change, in case you haven't been with us since the beginning, because we're already in chapter 16 of the study. But, and that sounds like a very strange title to some people. How can uh, you change effortlessly? And when you allow the Word of God to change you, 
there is an effortlessness on the planet. It's, it, it will seem like an effortlessness. Yes, there's a cooperation involved, and yes, there's a yielding to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and whatnot. But when you try to change yourself, uh, you're not going to see real life lasting change. But when you allow God and His nature to change you from the inside out, it, it will seem almost effortlessly. Just like a, a tree or a plant or a grass in the field, it seems like it just grows effortlessly. Uh, but really, it's, a, it's simply abiding in the vine. It's just simply abiding in the roots and the, the, the seed of that plant, and it's growing naturally. Okay, and in this particular section, <coughs> Andrew is highlighting how we, you know, the, the importance of fellowshipping with God. And that's something we teach very, uh, what's the word I want to use? We, we teach very heavily in this church, a relationship with God, a fellowship with God. Like this morning, in my message this morning, I was talking briefly about forgiveness. And forgiveness is very foundational to a walk. But forgiveness is not the end result. It's, it's, it's one of the starting points. It's, it's, it is a starting point. It's foundational. And we need forgiveness because sin was a barrier. But... The, the end result is actually a relationship with God. And we can't have a relationship with God when there's sin involved. And so the, 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 the message of forgiveness is we are forgiven so we can have that relationship with God. Uh, the forgiveness is not the end result. The forgiveness is the beginning of a beautiful, reconciled relationship. God went to great lengths to sacrifice his son so that he could have a relationship with you and with me. And forgiveness is not the key. Well, it's one of the keys, excuse me. But it's not the end of the end. It's not a means to the end. It's actually, uh, maybe I'm saying that wrong, but it's just, it's a beginning point. It's an entry point. <coughs> we could not have that relationship with God with sin. So Jesus became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. We could have a right relationship with God. And I'm going to be teaching on righteousness over the next eight weeks uh, till the, excuse me, till the end of the year. And then we'll have a Christmas message on uh, uh, December 26th and then we'll enter the new year with some other messages. But, you know, fellowship of God is just so key. And, uh, and there's much more I can elaborate on that, but I just want to see if you have any to share before I go deeper. You know, it's interesting that Andrew commented on even the good things can choke out the word. And he's not saying that good things are bad. He's involved in ministry practically 24-7. And ministry, when you're doing God's work, is good. But relationship with God comes first. And, you know, the, the verse Andrew's been talking about, Mark 4, where the, this parable is, even the disciples had to ask, what does this parable mean? And we're talking about the, 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 what's ch choking the, the word. And Jesus himself in Mark 4, uh, 18 and 19, he says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. That, that's what chokes out uh, the word. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. 
Now, I will just point the finger at me. The cares of this world, it doesn't mean bad things. You care for your family, your kids, and they are a priority, but we can get busy doing that. I have a job and lately I've been working more than full-time hours, 50, 60 hours a week, and after walking the dog, my MO is to go right into working so I can get my hours in before I have to go to bed at night and before I need to go to bed at night. And there are times when the Word of God is not at the forefront of my mind, and, and that's to my detriment. Now, I will be honest, I am listening to messages and worship every day. That is very good for me. It's fruitful for me, but it's not me being in the Word of God for myself. And that, that can choke uh, my time, the, the Word, the benefit of the Word in me so that I can do things like do these Bible studies with Dave and be able to pour out and minister to others. For The Word of God needs to be in me just as it needs to be in you and anybody else. We have friends and family who are dealing with sick family members or a full-time job plus raising their kids. You know, the, the list can go on. And a lot of it is good. Sacrificing of yourself to care for a family member, whether it be a child or, or, or someone who's been going through a sickness, is a good thing. But you know, when I was a caregiver, I was a caregiver for 17 years and I would go help the elderly take care of themselves. And the number one rule for caregivers, and I'm sure this goes with any first responders, whether you work in a hospital, a policeman, fireman, anybody who's out in the world helping other people, if you don't take care of yourself first, you can't help them. My greatest gift to Dave is if I spend time with the Lord. My greatest gift to the elderly when I was taking care of them was to make sure I had a good night's sleep, was to make sure I had healthy meals, you know, kept healthy myself, good hygiene, different things. And that's practical in the world. You don't want a doctor or a policeman running themselves ragged where that they can't be at full optimum to be able to help people. They have highly uh, stressful jobs and they are constantly giving of themselves but if they don't take time off to rest and to take care of uh, whatever you do to, to keep yourself healthy, that's not good for them. And it might sound at times selfish to take care of yourself first, but the biggest benefit we as believers can do, not only for ourselves, but for everyone around us, is if we have that relationship with God. If we're in the Word of God for ourselves, that's the biggest gift I, and benefit I can give to my own marriage or anyone I minister to. And this whole effortless change thing, God designed the gospel and everything that He's given for us in salvation for us. But if we, if we don't partake of it, 
How does that benefit us or anybody? Yeah, basically, Sherry uh, spoke what I was going to speak on, and that's good, and that's kind of one reason why I went that direction, because I thought she, she might, you know, and which we're all piggybacking on what Andrew's saying in his book about effortless change. Because we're talking about the parable of the sower, specifically we're talking about the seed that fell on the, uh, um, not the sturdy soil, but the thorny soil, where people are occupied with many things and it's choking out the word. And one aspect Andrew's bringing up which Sherry already piggyback on, which now I'm going to piggyback on on some, is that, you know, being choking out the, the Word of God doesn't always mean that we're doing bad things. We could be doing good things. You know, when I went to Bible school, and I, I've gone to two different Bible colleges, I went to Andrews Bible College, Karen's Bible College, but I also went to a Bible college back in the 90s. <coughs> and, excuse me, and... Nothing wrong with that Bible college per se. Um, but in that season, I got so caught up into, into the Bible academically that I, I wasn't feeding on God's word for myself. And that became a problem. That by the time I graduated, I was so burned out on the word of God academically, I wasn't picking up the word of God. And, and that's not good. That's not healthy. That's not right. You know, as pastors, bishops, evangelists, different uh, different areas of ministries, you know, we can get so busy doing ministry that we don't we have lost our own fellowship of God. That's not healthy. You cannot be a good pastor, bishop, evangelist, apostle, prophet, minister, parent, if you are a spouse or any any vocation, if you are not prioritizing your own relationship with God. There is nothing more important. You know, it reminds me of the story of Mary and Martha, where Jesus said, there's only one thing that's needful. And that, and, and she, he said, Mary, uh, Mary will not be denied that, to spend time at his feet in his presence. You know, there was a time in, in, uh, in, in, um, with uh, Moses and Joshua, Usually it was Moses who went to the tabernacle meeting when the Shekinah glory came down. But there was one passage of scripture <coughs> where, excuse me, where Joshua was in the tent with him. And when the Shekinah glory came, uh, Moses had left, but Joshua lingered in God's presence. He didn't want to leave. Joshua was a warrior. He eventually became the leader, but he was a warrior. And yet, he prioritized his time in God's presence. No, even Moses said in Exodus 34, Lord, don't, don't, uh, unless your presence goes with us, don't lead us from here. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing more important than your relationship with God. I don't care what kind of ministry you have. I don't care what the situation is. There's nothing more important than your ministry of God. Maybe you're in a community or a situation where you don't even have a written Bible. I understand how that can be hard. But... But you can still have a relationship with God. You can still pray to Him. You can still spend time with Him. And there's nothing more important. The Holy Spirit is our teacher anyway. I believe in something valuable by having a Bible. And I pray that you can get one if you don't have one. But at the same point in time, there's nothing more important than your relationship with God. See, the, the Bible, the, the, the ink, is not the Word of God. 
the word of God is a person. His name is Jesus. And that's explained in John chapter 1. It's also explained <coughs> excuse me, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I think at the beginning of the chapter, where the word of God is not the ink. The word of God is a person. His name is Jesus. And so, you know, you can have, he's a, it, it's a living word, and we are living epistles of that word. But you will not be successful at, in any vocation, especially even as a pastor or part of the clergy, or in, as a parent or spouse or any vocation. If you don't prioritize your time with the word of God, you can do good things, you can be doing church things, you can be doing ministry things, that even those things can choke out the word of God, can choke out your time with God. And uh, over time, that can actually be dangerous. You might be doing good things, you might be doing biblical things, you might be doing ministry things, you might be doing noble things. But if you don't prioritize the word of God, it is actually dangerous. And there's nothing more important. Is ministry important? Yes. But ministry must be out of the overflow of God working in you. And, you know, I have an illustration I've done many times with where I'll get this big bowl of water and I'll hold this cup, small cup, and I'll have a pitcher of water or even a garden hose. <coughs> and I'll illustrate how, you know, a lot of times we have our devotions in the morning or here on Sundays we go to church or whatever the case may be. And you fill your cup and as you go throughout your week and then go throughout your day. It seems like you're just emptying that cup all day long. But if you don't have anything coming back in your cup, your cup's going to be half full or all the way empty. I don't think that's how God wants us to do ministry. I don't think that God, that's how God wants us to function. God, I believe God told me several years ago, I want you to park under the box of my, of my presence. And as we park ourselves in the, under the box of his presence, I illustrate this illustration with this cup and this picture, our garden hose of water. And as we, be, as we sit and plant ourselves under the faucet of God's presence, he begins to flow in us, and our cup begins to overflow. And out of the overflow, we minister to our families. We minister to our church. We minister to our communities and our country and our nation. We minister to the world. We don't minister directly. We minister out of the overflow. Of what, how God is ministered to us. Everything we share in these Bible studies. Yes, we're reading the book. Yes, we're studying the Word of God. And yes, I'll preach on Sunday mornings. <coughs> Excuse me. But I'm, I'm, I'm preaching, hopefully, from the overflow of what God is ministering to me. There's nothing more important than my ministry of God. Some of you haven't heard this the last two weeks because we just took a vacation. We needed a vacation to spend some time with God and spend time with each other. And hopefully we can minister how the overflow, how God is ministering to us. Okay. You know, one of the greatest examples um, is always Jesus. So many times, like for example, in Mark 6, um, Mark 6 I'll go ahead and read 45 and 46 in Mark 6. Immediately he, Jesus, made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And that's just one 
moment that Jesus did this, but constantly, I mean, Jesus ministered to the multitudes pretty much 24-7. He spent time with his disciples discipling and teaching them, and anyone who wanted to sit at his feet and, and, and be fed by him, but he always, constantly went uh, somewhere by himself to spend time with the Father, and, and yet people marvel at Jesus how he ministered to so many people. He healed all who came to him who were sick. Uh, he said, I don't do anything except what the Father does or tells me. I, I, again, I'm paraphrasing because I'm not going to you know, find all these scriptures and, and read one after another for you, so I encourage you to search them out in, in the in, Matthew, in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Jesus constantly went to the Father to feed, so to speak, and get refreshed and be fed so that he could turn around and minister and disciple his disciples. And we need to do the same. We need to spend time with him in his word so that we can turn around and do whatever it is that he's called us to do. You know, Dave made a comment in his series that he just finished today uh, about, he was speaking about four of the prayers of Paul, and he was, he was speaking about ways, um, ways to get knowledge, and he's talking about the Word of God in Paul's prayer. Paul, one of Paul's prayers was praying that we, that we would have knowledge and I'm so chopping it up but he made the comment that the Holy Spirit reveals God's God to us he reveals God's Word so that relationship with God the relationship with with Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit helps us understand his word we we need them all to um, to to Sorry, I, I can't seem to find the right word to explain this. We can read the Word of God all day long, but if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we don't have that relationship with the Holy Spirit to reveal God to us, it's just words on a page. It's just that academic textbook, to use the words that Dave uh, described a little bit ago. We really need the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all of the Trinity relationship with each one so that we can know God's words, so we can know His will, so that we can know Him. And I, and I apologize, I feel like I've chopped what I was trying to, to say. I just know in my own life, when I have days, like I uh, described earlier about being so busy with work or whatever might be on my plate, and I'm not in the Word of God, I feel it physically, and I'm not as a, ha a joyful person as I, I should be, but when it's reversed and I'm in God's Word daily myself, reading His Word and meditating on it, my attitude in life is so much better. I'm sure Dave appreciates it when I'm in God's Word because I'm sure he doesn't have to deal with 
uh, me walking in the flesh as much because I, I'm in God's word and feeding on that, which in terms uh, makes his life more pleasant. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Dave because I felt like my, my thoughts got a little scrambled in trying to explain to you. Doing good. I think we're both still tired and uh, we're not off jet lag because we don't, we're not on a plane, but we're getting off vacation lag. <laughs> and so, anyway, so we're getting back into Anyway, let's get into, let's just get back into the book and uh, the title of this section is Stay Home. Let's see what that's about. While in Vietnam, I had a lot of time on my hands. I wasn't one of the grunts, guys who were out in the field constantly hiking every day and engaging the enemy. I did see some action. There was a lot of danger associated with being on that fire support base. However, to a large degree, it was boring <coughs> just sitting there on a hill. Excuse me for a moment. Dave, can you start reading? Okay. So I'm just going to read this over again. While in Vietnam, I had a lot of time on my hands. I wasn't one of the grunts guys uh, who were out in the fields constantly hiking every day and engaging the enemy. I did see some action, and there was a lot of danger associated with being on the fire support base. However, to a large degree, it was boring just sitting there on a hill and I was a, a chaplain's assistant assigned to, to brigade headquarters. I was on the battalion level, and this meant that there was nobody directly over me because I reported back to people 45 miles away. This was why I had such a large amount of time on my hands. Okay? With so much time to spare, I just started pouring over the Word of God as much as 15 or 16 hours a day. I studied through the Bible all day long. I would go on bunker guard every single day and spend four hours praying and communicating with the Lord. After over 13 months of just constantly being in the Word and praying, I returned home to the USA ready to go to church and be with other Christians again. Since I had a car, I became the taxi driver for some younger friends as we drove all over the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We often stayed out as late as 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning attending prayer meetings, revival meetings, and even all-night prayer meetings. Although that sounds <coughs> excuse me. Although that sounds good after being back from Vietnam for about a month, I began to recognize my spiritual sensitivity to God was diminishing. My heart wasn't as focused on him as before. I wasn't doing anything sinful or wrong, but the Lord spoke to me saying, this going to church every night is killing your relationship with me. Now you may not understand that. In fact, you may be tempted right now to think I'm anti-church. Let me assure you, that's not the case. However, I was going to church every single night, seven nights a week. In the Dallas-Fort Worth area, there are always some place you can go. Plus, we had prayer meetings in the morning and other meetings during the day. I was so involved in doing all of these things, godly things, that I was choking the Word of God out of my life. So one of the things the Lord told me to do was to stay at home at least two nights a week. He specifically instructed me not to go out with my friends to revival meeting, convention, or prayer meeting, but to stay home studying the Word and fellowshipping with Him. 
I needed to get back into the flow of a personal relationship with God. So this is an awesome testimony of Andrew. Andrew went from, you know, he went from Vietnam where he had a lot of time on his hands in his position as a chaplain's assistant. He had sometimes 16 hours a day or four hours of bunker guard or whatever the case might be. He had a lot of time with God, a lot of personal time with God. He got back home and he started going from meeting to meeting to meeting seven days a week, uh, different times of the day and whatnot. <coughs> it sounds good that he spent so much time going to church and whatnot. And he, again, he's not anti-church. But by going to all these meetings, he wasn't having any personal time with God like he was while he was in Vietnam. It seemed like Vietnam would be the, one of the hardest places to, to uh, uh, not Vietnam himself, but being at war would be the, one of the hardest times to spend time with God. Yet he had more time being at war than he did coming home and, and being at liberty to go to church every day. Nothing wrong with going to church, and I know people who have gone from meeting to meeting to meeting. The early church met every day. But, and they were steadfast in apostles' doctrine to, to, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I... <coughs> I would agree that we, the church at large, do not have church enough. Having church just one day a week or two days a week is not enough. At the same point in time, we can go from meeting to meeting and have church every day and not spend any time with God personally. That is not healthy. And so, Andrew's illustrating with his own life, with his own testimony, how he needs to have personal time with God. God instructed him to stay home two nights a week just to study God's word and fellowship with him one-on-one. -on -one. You know, we, we love doing church. We love, Sherry and I, we love uh, doing things together. We wish we could do it more in fellowship and whatnot. But if that's all we did and never spent time together, that would not be healthy in our relationship. So in any relationship, you know, I've had friends where we would meet in a group, and then I also enjoyed friends where we could also just meet one-on-one -on -one and have some... some uh, um, I want to say alone time, but uh, 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 just some quality time with that, that friend. And I love uh, associating with friends. <coughs> you know, we've done this too from our church, where we might have a lot of meetings at times, and we haven't recently because of our setup right now. But if we can meet regularly a lot, that'd be great. But then we, we used to like having different members over one by one so we can have some quality time with certain members of the church one-on-one. -on -one. We wouldn't do that every day. We didn't do that every week. And we didn't do that with the, always the same person. Sometimes some people, yeah, we deal with more with others. But even Jesus had the multitudes. He had the 70, he had the 12, and he had the 3. Jesus spent more time with the 3 than he did with the 12. He spent more time with the 12 than he did with the 70. He spent more time with the 70 than he did with the multitude. And so, so it's okay having different levels of relationships. And there's nothing wrong with having good relationships and, and meeting together regularly as a church. Well, the church did that. But we need to have quality time, regular time, with just you and God and nobody else. And that's one of the things that Andrew's saying. If you do all these other things that are good, that are healthy, but if you have to do it too much, it becomes unhealthy. For example, you know, vegetables are good for you. Uh, chocolate and desserts, not so much. Okay, but <coughs> excuse me. 
As a child, I have so many carrots as a child that I turned yellow. Okay? Carrots are good for you. Turning yellow, I'm not saying it was a bad thing, but there's just a, there's something about it that just appears unhealthy. Turning yellow is doesn't appear to be a healthy thing. You can have too much of something. Okay? Everything needs to be in moderation, even having carrots. Okay? Am I boycotting carrots? No. Now, today, I don't have enough carrots. Okay? I need to probably have carrots more. But turning yellow, I'm glad it wasn't blueberries when I turned into a smurf. But, you know, turning yellow, there's, there's something about turning yellow that doesn't seem healthy to me. Okay? But at the same point in time, uh, am I boycotting carrots? No. Am I, am I against turning yellow? Well, I, would, I would kind of stay away from that. But anyway, I'm just, my point is I'm trying to make a point. Even something good can become unhealthy if it's not well balanced. And you know, there are a lot of good ministers and conferences and Bible teachers and pastors out there, and we're not saying that at all. Yeah, yeah. The, the point is, and we're doing this from personal experience of, of knowing people who did this, when you go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, and you're not in God's word for yourself, in a sense you're having shallow roots that can't take hold because you're not taking, you might be receiving God's word with gladness like it does say in, in Mark 4 in the parable, but you don't have time to meditate and take that word that you've heard because you're constantly going and going and going. You need, you need that time, thank you, good word, to digest God's word and to meditate on it and basically like a cow, chew your cud as you're ruminating and meditating and getting God's word so established in you so that roots could go down. You know, as uh, when we're first starting out as a new born-again believer, we need good teaching. We need to find Bible-based churches with strong godly ministers in them to help nurture and disciple us so that we can start turning around and doing it for ourselves. You know, just like a, a, a baby at first needs to be fed with like a bottle or spoon fed because it's it's not old enough to to learn how to do it for themselves. But the baby obviously grows and gets to a place where they want to feed themselves, where, where they decide what they want to eat or not eat or, or different things. And, it, and it's basically like that for, for Christians. We need ones like Paul, the apostle in the Bible. He ministered to so many people. He ministers to us today. Dave just did a message on some of the prayers that... that Paul has prayed for the church that are still beneficial for us today. It's again God's word, so I encourage you to, to go to our archives to listen to Dave's message. Uh, but we need that. You know, we've talked before about healing testimonies. Like if you go on Andrew Womack's website and he has testimonies of people either getting healed or Thing, uh, different testimonies, whether it be financially, healing, whatever it might be. And, but there's a common theme, a common thread that connects all of them together is that God's word made a difference in that person's life. 
for example, we've we've used Mike Hesh's t- a healing testimony a lot. Uh, we actually got to hear him speak one time. It was pretty neat. Uh, and there's other people that we've we personally know their healing testimony, but they took God's word and they took it not just planted in their heart. They meditated on it. They read God's word for themselves. They were so God's word focused that their life turned around, whether they received healing or whatever it might be, because God's word, they put that first. They put blinders on, so to speak, of not letting the cares of this world choke it out. And their their lives thrived because of it and you know uh, we've we've talked about our gardens before that we've had Dave and I throughout the years in the different Bible studies and you know it's it's funny here we've been so busy and we don't have the yard set up for a, a decent garden whether flowers or vegetables but when we when we um, moved here we had three big pots that we could plant things in and at the time we we didn't really put much effort in it we grabbed some dirt that was in the back uh that was not very good dirt put it in these pots and planted some seeds and our plants did not do well uh we barely got any fruit out of it that the soil was just not good soil the seeds were fine. The seeds just needed good soil to be planted in. But they either got choked out by, I don't know, not good nutrients or just whatever it is. And yet other gardens we had in the past, we prepared that soil. We put good dirt in it. Uh, we made sure the rocks and the and the roots that were in the way were, were out before we planted our seeds, made sure that they got good water and sunlight, whatever they needed, and those gardens flourished. Some of the gardens would probably, well, maybe I'm being a little prideful, but could have been take you could have taken pictures of them. We were we were uh, very pleased with those gardens, but these these pots here that we tried, they were the saddest looking plants that struggled to survive, and they ended up just. Uh, not making it <laughs> but when you plant when you take God's word and plant it in the soil of your heart and let it let it flourish by spending that quality and quantity time in God's word your life will bear fruit Dave just spoke about fruit a little bit in his message today um, it's pretty powerful did you want to speak anymore um, yeah, yeah go ahead uh, you know even Jesus himself in John 15 talks about abiding in him so that we can bear good fruit. And, you know, as any gardener or farmer knows that, you know, you might do trim things. You know, Dave's, excuse me, Dave has spoken about how, you know, we've had rose bushes in the past and how I've trimmed them during certain times of the year prune them certain times of the year and the first time he saw me do that he thought I had killed them but they came back more lavish and had more roses and just flourished 
And just like any farmer, any gardener knows that, you know, you might prune here and there. Um, you're going to weed for sure. And you're going to irrigate and do different things so that uh, you can bear much fruit. The farmers in the area around us, we're constantly amazed as we drive by and they are preparing their fields over and over between crops. They are moving the irrigation where it needs to be irrigated. They are taking care and um, making sure those plants thrive to bear fruit. And we've plant past fields where we're just amazed about how many strawberries are on the plants or how many bell peppers or artichokes or whatever it is that these these fields, uh, whatever um, the farmers have in each field. And yet, it, it's the same way as us, spiritually speaking, when we are in God's word and letting it, just chewing on, meditating, let it come alive in us, we will bear fruit and be healthier. I didn't know a lot I can say about that. I just uh, um, about fruitfulness. You know, God wants us to be fruitful, and that's really kind of what this parable of the sower is about. And if you're being, if you're choking it out, it's not going to grow. You know, my mom used to teach me growing up, and sometimes, especially the meal was good, and there was some meals I just really loved. I would just, it looked like I was just scarfing it down, like there was no tomorrow. And I love her, and also my grandmother used to teach me to. Chew your food good, you know, enjoy it. And uh, uh, so like we just need to slow down a little bit and, and chew on God's Word. We just need to meditate on God's Word. We're going, 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 receiving so many different teachings. Maybe you're the kind of one that's going to Facebook and getting all the teachings. And I'm not saying not have good teachings. Praise God that's happening. But you also need to make sure that you're taking time Kind of cherry said, a cow chewing is good. You need to make sure you're digesting it. You need to make sure you're chewing it. Because if you're not understanding what you're reading, if you're not digesting it, all four soils heard the word of God, but only one soil understood it. The, the, the three soils that did not produce heard the word of God. Hearing the word of God is not enough. At the same point in time, I'm not saying hear the word, not hear the word of God, because you can't understand something you haven't heard. So we, uh, hearing it is good, but it's not enough. You need to understand it. And at the same point in time, you might be having devotions, 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 and spending time God's word, but if you're not understanding what you are reading, then you need a good pastor, teacher, help you understand it. Sometimes you need to have someone cut up your steak so you can make and chew it up. Okay. You know, I like a nice, good, juicy steak, but at the same point in time, it needs to be cut up in bite-sized pieces so I can enjoy it. And, and uh, we got to learn how to, how to do that, you know. Uh, I'm not going to just take a steak and eat a whole. It's not going to happen. I won't live to see tomorrow. But at the same point in time, you know, and I'm not trying to be graphic, I'm just trying to, but I'm trying to be graphic enough to make a point. It's not healthy. You need to, to take bite-sized pieces. And, you know, praise God you're hungry that you want as much. And I'm not trying to uh, do, we're not trying to derail that. We're trying to make sure that in all of your doing, in all of your serving, 
in all of your ministry and of all of your seeking, make sure that you have a personal relationship with God. That is what we're saying. It, and it's healthy for you, so healthy for you. And, you know, I can come up with a couple different examples of uh, just different people in my own life, how they took their time with the Lord. You know, we've shared about Dave's dad uh, before, and it's really neat. He, part of uh, his daily routine, so to speak, is he sends Dave and I a verse every day. And it's nice to start my day opening up my phone and seeing a text from from Dave's dad with a verse. Starting off the day with God's word is just awesome. And I, and I can read it. And then throughout the day, I, I can think on it. And that's just one way to do it. You know, Dave's dad wasn't too big of a reader, uh, especially when he was younger, going to work, uh, taking care of his family. But there was a time when Dave, I want to say junior high or high school, high school, uh, he would write out a verse, a Bible verse for Dave's dad and, and leave it at his place at the table. And Dave's dad would take it to work and he would put it where he could see it every day. And he would read it and read it and meditate on it. And that was how he got God's word in him. You don't have to be a big reader to be able to have God's word and to meditate on it. Uh, my grandma, she was very good with her schedule. Every morning she had her Bible out, her notebook out, and she would spend time in God's word for herself. And we've shared our personal testimony of um, years ago when we had five years of famine, so to speak, where we, we had lost our job and almost lost pretty much everything, and um, we were living at my grandma's. In between looking for work, Dave took that time, in a sense, a little bit like Andrew. Uh, he spent so many hours upon hours looking for work, but then the rest of his time, he would be in just his personal bubble and be in God's word for himself. He had Bible teachers he, he loved listening to or reading their books, but he took the time of getting God's word in himself. And that was a period of tremendous growth and revelation in Dave um, that was not just beneficial for Dave, but it, it benefited me because whenever Dave would get a revelation on, he would turn around and he'd share it with me so that I could study it out for myself. And uh, it, it just, it was a great season in a bad season for us of, of losing everything to be able to have a stronger relationship with God. Alright, well let's read this last section of this chapter. I know we're probably running low on time, but I want to at least finish chapter 16 here. And the last part of the section is entitled Weeds. All this busyness is like weeds excuse me all this busyness is like weeds sprouting up all around the stalk of corn you planted. The soil only has so much nourishment. Those weeds will suck much of the moisture and nutrients out of the ground, which will keep the seed that you want to grow from really producing and bearing fruit. This is what happens to us when we get so occupied doing other things. 
They don't have to be bad things. It's just that we're so occupied with them that it saps our intention and energy. We don't really have any time to be able to focus on in fellowship with the Lord. Honestly, do you fall asleep every time you try to get quiet and study the Word of God? Are you so busy that you aren't even getting a full night's sleep? Many of us are cramming so much into our lives and it's not improving the quality of it. We've just become busy. That lifestyle needs to change. Are you seeing the change in your life that you desire? Are you bearing the fruit that you know God wants you to bear? If not, I challenge you to start spending some quality time just focused on the things of the Lord. I'm not going to put certain requirements on the time because it may vary from person to person. If you go from spending no time to spending 30 minutes a day focused on God with everything else out of your mind, you'll see tremendous benefits. Perhaps you've already been spending 30 minutes a day, but the Lord is drawing you in deeper. You just need to make a decision that you are going to start taking away all of the things that choke the Word of God in your life. Now, I, I, Dave usually, I usually let Dave speak, but there's a, one of the, the Bible speakers that we love from Karis Bible College, Daniel Amstess, and we could do, talk about more of his ministry, but he said something that really impacted me when he had taught on fasting one time. He, he, and this, was, this is just a, a brief thing. He had more about it, but this one thing caught my eye. He, he made mention that for fasting, usually when people fast, they fast food. And he made the comment that the time and energy that you spend in taking your three meals a day or however often you eat and you decide to fast, and that is between you and God, that same time that you would spend sitting at the table eating when you're fasting, you take that time on top of your regular time with the Lord and, and therefore you spend more time with, with the Lord. And, you know, Andrew said there's no time requirement. You, you know, some people do 30 minutes, some people five hours. Some people all day. Some people all day. There is no law on the quantity and quality time. There's something I learned a while ago at a, um, uh, a ministry called Walk to Emmaus uh, that we have here in California. And one of the talks, and it's basically a weekend with God that you're spending. Um, there, one, of, one of the talks at this conference, for lack of, of better words, they use the an analogy or the example of Say you have a glass jar and you have big rocks and little rocks. And those rocks, the, the two different sizes of rocks, uh, are examples of what you put in your life. Uh, whether it be taking care of your kids, your job, uh, hobbies, chores, errands, you know, I mean, everything that we all, we all do. They put... They poured all the little rocks in the jar first, and then they tried to fit the big rocks in, and you could not do it. They would not fit. And so they, they took the, the rocks out, and they put all the big rocks, which uh, were examples of all of the most important things that you do uh, in your day, 
like spending time with God, taking care of your kids, they poured those in the jar first, and then they took the, the little rocks, and that could be little things like hobbies or whatever it could be, because everyone's different. They, they then took the little rocks and poured it, and they fell through to fit all the nooks and crannies around the big rocks, and you ended up being able to fit all your priorities uh, and, and not leave anything out when in reverse when you had your priorities not so good and you tried to do all the little things first and then your big priorities it didn't work and I bet you if I was a betting person that if you spent time with God and in his word first that you would be able to fit in everything else in your day and you know what I'm challenging myself to do that because like I said I had been once I get up, I walk the dog. I have lately gotten right into working because I'm working so many hours, trying to get my hours in before I, I need to go to sleep and crash for the day, and that I have neglected being in the Word of God for myself. And I'm challenging me, as well as any of you listening who need this challenge too, start with God's Word first. And I bet all those priorities, everything you need to do in a day, will fall into place. I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Dwight Moody or one of these other revivalists of the years. But he said, I have so much to do today that I have to spend time, twice as much time with the Lord. And so, you know, that that's the point was that he had a mindset. There's not a <clears throat> set in stone. You don't need to spend that much time, you know. There's not a time for that we have to spend time together as a spouse. But if we want our, our relationship to grow and blossom and be healthy, then we're going to spend as much time as we can. Sometimes we have to shut things out. Sometimes we have to uh, uh, make adjustments. And I like this illustration of these rock, big rocks, small rocks in this jar or whatnot. You know, we need to have priorities. And one of the major priorities that we have in our relationship with God in some ways, it can come in different shapes and sizes. And, you know, even in our relationship, we might spend a little more time on the weekends together than we do on the weekdays. We might spend a little time, more time on the evenings together than we do during the week, during the daytime. And certain days of the week, like some, uh, there's two nights that we do Bible studies, and that's Wednesday night and Sunday night. Those nights, we actually spend a little less time together because we're spending time with you. And so uh, that's not a downplay. It just means that on the other nights we actually can spend a little more time together. So each day is a little different, but we are spending time together. And same thing with God. You know, there's some days I spend a lot more time than others. Uh, some days and, uh, I spend pretty much a lot of time ministering, but I'm spending time with God too. My biggest study day is usually Monday, uh, preparing for the next week. Because I, I like preparing my message for next week on Monday. Or next Sunday, because that way I can study it. I can get my notes out, but I can chew on it all week long. And if I want to make some alterations throughout the week, I can. And uh, and so it's in my mind, it's in my heart. And so, but just because I study a lot on Monday doesn't mean I don't do study time uh, the rest of the week. Sometimes, sometimes in the middle of the day, I just actually break up the Bible or whatever, 
listen to a teaching, worship, whatever, and, uh, and, and, and go about that way. There's a lot of different ways. I've been times where I had two full-time jobs and I spent a lot of time meditating. And I went to a place where I could not listen to a teaching. I could not listen to worship. I, but in my mind, in my own heart, I could spend time with God. And I do that. It was, it, it was a discipline. But I can spend time with God. And, uh, and so, you know, people have these make-believe friends. Well, God's not a make-believe friend. But he's not limited. There's a time and matter. And he is everywhere with me all the time. And he's a friend that's closer than a brother. Well, we just about out of time. But I don't know if you have a last thought. Just a last uh, funny, I don't know if it's funny. But, you know, in the day and age that we live in now, we may not have necessarily our Bible with us at work or wherever we might be. You know, maybe we have a certain spot, we keep it so it's handy. Uh, but, you know, when whenever I get a new device, uh, for example, my phone, I put a Bible app. Whoops, hit the wrong button. I put a Bible app on my phone, so even if I'm at work or in the, the car while Dave's driving and um, just a verse comes to mind, uh, or maybe I, I want to read something or study something out, I have the Bible right there on my phone. Uh, some people like listening to the Bible read out loud while they're driving. I mean, there's we live in a pretty neat day and age where we have the technology to do that. Uh, you know, King David back in the day, this was before the New Testament was written and even uh, probably he didn't even have all of the Old Testament written because of, of when he was alive. But he, he constantly in the Psalms talks about meditating on the goodness of God, on God's word. I mean, even in Psalm 118, the, the longest psalm uh, in the Bible, every verse talks about loving God's word. And, you know, he, he talks about so many times, again, meditating on God's word and just spending time with God. And, you know, he did, uh, he was pretty open and honest with God in those psalms. And, you know, if he was going through something or sad, or persecuted, you know, he poured out his his heart to God, but he always brought it around to uh, uh, just God being first and foremost in his life, and um, you know that that's a that's a good example for us. Awesome. Well, we are out of time, and we're actually just maybe a little over time. We're not sure, but that's okay. We're good. We're actually good. So. Uh, um, anyway, we'll see you Wednesday night as we uh, have our uh, continue our study on the Believer's Authority by again by Andrew Womack, and we will see you then. God bless you guys. Have a great week.